everyone. Welcome to King's Talk, presented by Cap City Crown. Tony, with me as always, we've got John. The Kings had a three-game winning streak running until they ran into the Miami Heat without, I think, seven um, of their players, including Jimmy Butler, Terry Rozier, Tyler Hero, Nikola Jovic, not Nikola Jokic. Um, and, you know, in classic Kings fashion, they lost to them. But they did beat the Clippers the night before. It was the second of a back-to-back. And, uh, you know, just, I don't know. It's always weird. It's like, I feel like we're always so close to coming in and being like, Kings on a four-game winning streak. They beat this, this, and this. And then, like, right when we're about to have, like, a good podcast, they do something like losing to the Heat without seven, with, with seven guys out. I don't know, John. Well, feels like it's a uh, it's a common reoccurrence. Yeah, and it might be the most illustrative installment of that habit that the Kings have. Where they make us think that, you know, just when you think that you've kind of been too hard on them, they do something to make you realize that you just weren't hard enough. They are who they are. At least at this moment in time, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where back-to-backs, fatigue, especially this close to the All-Star break, is not an excuse. Like, it never has been an excuse. It was never, even when the first couple back-to-backs happened, when the Kings just, like, dropped them all and looked terrible. I think it was, like, the first four, second of a back-to-back this season. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't even necessarily, like, the fatigue or, like, the travel or anything like that or the quick turnaround catching up to them. It was more or less like these kind of common trends of letting teams kind of hit you first and not really responding. And at that point in the season, they were really letting go of the rope, which I do think is one thing that they've really worked on. Like despite dropping games lately that really drive you nuts, there's a lot of times, um, maybe outside that Detroit game, where, the, where, where they do maintain the fight. Like when they lost to Memphis, they weren't playing well, but they fought all the way through. You know, uh, they almost mm-hmm. came back against Miami. but. Still, nevertheless, there's just something in them that just makes them not go out there and, as De'Aaron Fox and as other players have said, put their foot on teams' necks. It's just this common trend of, of just dropping things from the start, not taking team opponents seriously, maybe, not coming in with the right focus, taking things for granted, maybe. You know, they've been described as doing that at home by their head coach. It's these common things that just show that they're not a championship contender now because they're at a stage of their growth where they're so far off from that as a team for many different reasons. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's more of a coaching thing or more of a player thing? I mean, I think it's more of a player thing right now. I, I think there's issues on both ends. I feel like as a player, you just need to stay motivated. Like, you have to want it. I just feel like sometimes they don't want it enough. And, I mean, you know, you see it sometimes, but in times where it's like I said, like we're almost so close to just like clapping. It's like, yeah, Kings four game winning streak, beat the Clippers, beat the Nuggets, and then like, then you lose to the Heat without seven guys, and it's just like, like clearly you're. I sometimes I just feel like they're just going in there, like you said, they're just like taking it for granted. Like okay, like heroes out, they're expecting someone else to step up, and no one does, and then they kind of just drag their feet, and then it just they then they play catch up, like we saw in the fourth quarter. I think that's the biggest question for me with this team is their heart. It just sometimes they just don't seem to be in it. And they they see the heat and then they just like, ah, it'll be an easy win. And then they, you know, let the heat get comfortable. I mean, they should have never let it get to that point. You know, they need to, they need to start the game as strong as they finish games. That's why I put it on the players. That's my long explanation. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I would just to kind of start by saying, I mean, I was watching the post game interviews on the Kings YouTube channel, and one the first comment that I saw on the thing was like, Mike Brown got straight up out coached by Spolstra tonight, and I thought that was a little bit misguided because I would assume that that man would say that this is a coaching issue more than anything. If you're talking about what's what's the main issue as to why the Kings come up short in so many ways regarding their effort at times, but I I, I would. I would make the point that it's like Miami has its own culture. They have its own thing and they do that all the time. And Mike Brown made a great point kind of reiterating what we've said all season, which is like, you know, when you can compliment the Kings defense, it's when they're playing with a sense of desperation. Guys are flying around. You saw it in the fourth quarter against Miami. Yeah. You know, you had, they threw the kitchen sink at them in terms of like zones and doubles and everything like that. And they're flying around and they're moving around and everything like that. But the point is, is like, you can't, it's not sustainable. And Mike Brown said after the Miami Heat game, he was like, we have to have our own culture, first of all. And he was also saying that we can't just be coming out of the gate doubling and doing crazy stuff like that, throwing the kitchen sink at teams. We have to be able to try to just sit down and defend. And they've shown that they can do it at times, and that's why he's so insistent on it. And it's so much tied to that effort and that focus and locking in. Because you have a team here that, Okay, yeah, they're they're staying in games and remaining engaged and keeping their fight up to a point where they made that game close. But De'Aaron Fox says it all the time. You hear it from Mike Brown all the time. You hear it from other players. You have to be good throughout the course of the ball game. It's a game of runs. You're putting yourself at a disadvantage to try to do it all at once. The Kings almost have, like, it, when we're talking about the stage of their growth, they almost are at the college stage where they're just, like, cramming to study at the last minute. <laughs> You know? Yeah, mm. and sometimes it pays off. Sometimes it doesn't. But it's screwing with other things. It's screwing with their social relationships. It's screwing with their family relationships. I don't know. They just they're starting to mismanage their time and be immature, and they're not really kind of realizing what's important. As opposed to what happens to a lot of us, or maybe not a lot of us. <laughs> it hasn't necessarily happened to me. But you know, you get to that stage of maturity where you get up and you seize the day. That kind of crap. That may sound corny, you know, in a, in a real life scenario, but. It, to be a champion in the NBA, you you have to have that mentality in the game, not just in your life. And that's just clear. So it's it's the players, but I think it is a stage of immaturity that can be mended through time and experience. Yeah, I, I think it's experience. I mean, at the end of the day, they're not a championship contender this year. They're not going to go from breaking a 16-year playoff drought and have the same exact team. They're just not going to go to a championship-level team. and. We're seeing that firsthand. They're inconsistent. They're immature, if that's the word you want to use for it. I think it's a good word. And a mature team would be playing at that level of defense and offense throughout the whole game instead of, like, as you say, throw the kitchen sink at them at the end of a game to try to take uh, catch up from a 20-point deficit that they created in the third quarter. And so I just think experience, as sucky as it is this year, considering that they won't win a championship and, you know, possibly get bounced in the first round, maybe the plan at this point. It's, I mean, the, the fifth through eighth seed are like half a game apart. It's so crazy right now. But anyways, my point is that this year is going to be a lot of experience, a lot of stuff they're going to learn from. And they can't, that they... They're, they're going to realize that if they want to be a championship contender, they can't be doing the stuff they did in year two of this process. It's only going to make them better, but <laughs> when you're living it right now, uh, it's definitely not the, the most fun thing to watch. 
Yeah, but I mean, there's there's still got to be a lot of optimism because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know, maybe you're not the Miami Heat, but think about the Miami Heat. Didn't they win a championship when the Sacramento Kings started their playoff drought, more or less? Yeah, like, they won it the same year. So it's just like, it's one of those no, things wait, where did it's they? like 2006. Oh, they won it well, the year maybe, after. Sorry. It, they won it the year, the, the last year the Kings went to the playoffs, I think. 06, there you right? Go. I, yeah, 06. So they're just at different stages. The Kings are just getting above the surface after digging themselves a 16-year grave. You know, they're just above mm-hmm. ground now. Miami's mm-hmm. in the air. They're flying first class. They're a first class franchise, you know? They literally have a jersey that says heat culture, which I think is stupid. But, I mean, they they have it for a reason because their culture is different down in South Beach. Heat culture. It's literally like their city jersey. Yeah, that is kind of stupid. But um, the Heat, <laughs> the Spurs... You know, the Warriors to a degree, it seems, mm-hmm. although it could be fading. We'll have to see what the longevity of things are. I don't know how they do it, but they do it in their own way. And that was kind of a point Mike Brown was saying. And at this point, you just, you have to actually kind of think about things in a way where it's like, okay, you know, this is kind of just a learning experience. It's it's exactly what it was last season. You know, it's just tougher because there's actual expectations this year. Yeah. You know? So... It's it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, the Kings are who they are right now. It can get a lot better, and it's actually reasonable to believe that that's going to be the case. Because it's likely. It's not unlikely. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, in terms of how they can get better, I think one of the things that we've talked about a lot this season, we even talked about it last week on the podcast, is the leadership of De'Aaron Fox. Which, you know, in a nutshell, we've talked a lot about how he needs to grow as a as a vocal leader and that he's actually kind of good as a, as a leader by example. But I was thinking about it over the last couple of games. Is he a good leader by example? I mean, he almost embodies the, the issues of the Kings at times, at least when you think about the defensive end of the floor, that's the end of the floor where, you know, like where were they so good against the Clippers? They were physical and able to play with pace because of their defensive stops. You know, it, it mm-hmm. all comes down to that. Fox says it. It's not just Mike Brown. The players preach it. Fox is about as, you know, a stenographer for what Mike Brown says as anybody. So it's like one of those things where it's like they all understand that that's the case. And yet Darren Fox is kind of this guy that, ah, you know, you'll see him play angry, for instance. You know, you saw it in the Clippers game. You saw it even in the Miami game. You see him play angry. You see him not get a foul call, not necessarily have something go his way. And he'll turn it on. He'll play really well. And what seems like a lack of focus and immaturity to some is actually kind of a stage of him locking in, you know, kind of becoming that guy. And it's just the issue, though, of doing what he says all the time that we said earlier, you know, doing it throughout the course of the ballgame. How do you do that to start? You have to do that to start. Because clearly he's the best player on the team, or at least the most, I mean, Sabonis might be the best player on the team. It's both of them. But he's the, we talk about him with the tenure and everything like that. He's the leader of the team. So, He's clearly a representative of that. And if he's doing stuff like that, where he's not always coming out strong out of the gates or maintaining a consistent aggressiveness or maintaining a consistent boot on the opponent's neck, as it were, it's kind of conspicuous that the team would be doing that kind of as a, as a unit. Mm-hmm. And you see it in kind of the way Fox plays defense. You know, he's, he's aggressive at times and it pays off. And when there's like a sense of urgency about him, he can really kill it and really make some big plays. You saw him make a big play was against the Spurs late and against the Clippers. You saw him come to life defensively. You just, he can take over ball games that way. And, 
but it's not necessarily always consistent. He's actually had a lot of bad defensive moments over the last couple weeks. I don't know. This is all a long-winded way of saying that he's still, like if the team has a lot of growing to do, he still has a lot of growing to do. And I think that we've kind of maybe cut him a little bit of slack in terms of the leadership by example, because we've focused a little bit too much on the vocal leadership, which might not be who Fox is. And you can't really necessarily ask a guy, I guess, to be somebody he's not. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. We do focus so much on his vocal, but he, I mean, I can't even say it better than you. It just, he, you're right. He, he just has so much room to grow as a leader. And that's another part. I mean, it's part of the growing pains of this team is that I think, again, they're going to look back and realize that, and hopefully Fox realizes it next year. Well, it's like, well, if we really want that next step, I'm going to have to grow. And maybe Sabonis too, you know? Maybe Sabonis will take a look and be like, okay, you know what? We all have this good camaraderie and yeah, we can be open with each other. But sometimes you just have to be a little mean. Get in someone's face. That's the vocalness. I mean, it hasn't always been an issue with Fox's inconsistency. And I mean, we talked about it a lot last season where, and I, I think early this season too, right? Where he just comes out kind of lethargic and doesn't, you know, step on the gas until later in the game when maybe it is too late and they're playing catch up. And I mean, that's the story of the Kings, it feels like this year at points, so... Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, just Fox has a lot, uh, he has a lot, a long way to go to be the leader the Kings need him to be if they want to be that championship level team. Yeah. But it's like, again, just to throw it out there, like we said last week, it's one of those things, too, where it's like that nonchalant air to him. Like, especially about like the all star thing, you could maybe like look at the nonchalant stuff as kind of being like, oh, he's not serious or whatever. But it's like, Oh, you know, you can kind of see it as he's got a bigger goal in mind. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this can be fixed quite quickly if he can do what he does in the playoffs, which quite frankly is I would bet on happening considering he was a standout performer in big moments in the playoffs. So, I mean, he's got his issues. He's got his room to grow, but it, he, he still could kind of do it when it matters. But nevertheless, I still think it's important to be doing it all the time because it's about that. If we're talking, if we're bringing it back to culture, it's about a system. It's about doing things consistently and bringing it all the time. And it's going to work from the top down to the bottom. You know, mm-hmm. you see it with Fox. That's the you know the job is of a leader, and he's the leader on this team regardless. And I mean, maybe that's indicative of their performances lately. He might not act like one, but at the end of the day, he is. And I guess that just shows that he is a poor leader at the moment. He's the leader of this team. Whether he likes it or not, he is. And until he realizes that maybe and embraces it fully, you know, the, the, it's gonna be a re, uh, the team's going to be a reflection of him. I don't know what it will take, but we'll, we'll have to see because it's, it's another one of those topics. We just keep beating the drum on. <laughs> it's hard not to. But, but a topic, no, you know, that we can beat the drum, it's not maybe not the most fun to talk about. But, you know, it's worth noting. It's just DeMontis Sabonis in general has been absolutely incredible this year. He's on 40 straight double-doubles. The record in the last 40 seasons is 53 by Kevin Love in 2010-2011. I mean, that's, it seems well within reach for him. That's only 13 more games. I mean, it seems like it'd be crazy for him not to get the double-double at this point. I feel like he can do it with either points and rebounds, points and assists, or just rebounds and assists. I mean, that dude, I, I, I mean, I need to look for sure, but I want to say he's like eight triple doubles in the last 12 games or so. He's just been on a tear. And don't quote me on that, but it's, I was looking at his uh, basketball reference. I'm like, dang, this guy's. I think it is. Yeah, and it, 
probably is. He even has a record. So a fan, Jamar Thompson, I'll throw your name out there. He sent me an interesting little note that the record for double doubles in a season is 72 by Hakeem Olajuwon. Sabonis is at 53 right now with, there's 27 games to go, I believe is what I did the math. Let me look. It's probably on my calculator. 25 games to go. Yeah. He needs 20 to break it. I, do you think he could break the the single season double double record at this point? Basically, get a double double in four out of every five games. Yeah. Well, okay, 53, 53 double doubles in the first. So 25 minus 82 is what? He missed four. Here we are. Missed four. He's only missed four. Oh my God. There's no way he missed it. How is he going to miss five? Yeah, right. More than five. Yeah, he's going to. Unless he gets hurt. Unless, unless he starts missing games. That's the only way. Right, yeah. Which I mean, I I, he hasn't he missed a game yet. When he breaks his thumb, yeah, <laughs> he he's played every game this season. Well, even when he's sick, yeah, yeah. So he needs twenty more double doubles Good for him, man. He's dude. I I think he ends like incredible. three. I think he ends like third in MVP voting if the Kings stay out of the plan. I I, just, I feel like he's getting a yeah. little. I think we talked about it last week a little. It's like maybe like him being a snub was almost like an All Star snub was almost like bringing in a little more attention his way because now everyone's like how is this guy not an all-star i mean he leads the league in triple doubles double yeah. doubles i mean in this month of february i think if he averaged i think i need to do the math exactly he's averaging like 10.5 assists in um or maybe it's 10.6 assists in february so far so i think he needs like at least five or six assists against denver tonight to average a triple double in february they play denver again <laughs> isn't that crazy yeah, they really bunch them together. Is everybody playing for Denver this time? Really I don't even. That. I don't even know what I'd rather happen. Like all the Denver play, or just like like Jokic and Murray are out, and then the Kings lose by like thirty. And they play in Denver too. <laughs> so, but hmm. sticking to the point. I mean, he'll, he'll, he's going to do it. He better win Player of the Month too. A triple double in the month. I get, it's probably been done more recently than in history. Because of like Westbrook and Jokic, and I mean even maybe James Harden, but still, mm-hmm. he, like twenty fourteen and ten, that dude he's been an animal. I <laughs> like how we talked about it early in the season. It's like we just wanted to be more aggressive. He seems to be more aggressive scoring. Well, I think we found out he's a bit of a slow starter. Yeah, that's true. We he was last year too. Yeah. Well, the you said he should be Player of the Month and should be closer to the top of the MVP list, at least candidate list. I mean, honestly, he's been so good defensively this season. And I think that gets lost because, you know, if you're Bob Myers, per se, who called the game on ESPN, was that Sunday night, the Clippers-Kings game? Yeah. You know, was talking about, oh, Harden's not going to be afraid of going into the paint against Sabonis. He's not a shot blocker, you know. And maybe that's true. Yeah, he's not a shot blocker. But, you know, Bob, Mike Brown got your team to go – be what was it number two defense the year they went to the championship by a slim margin against the team they beat in the NBA finals. The guy that had Kevon Looney and Draymond Green basically as his primary bigs, not shot blockers by any means. I just don't it's just so silly that he was even like pointing that out and making like a big deal out of that. Because when you factor in all the other aspects of playing defense in the modern NBA as a center, Sabonis is well above average in my opinion. He's not only terrifically smart but he's been just getting better in terms of all the little things. Of course, he really showed a lot of improvement last season, looked really good kind of embracing Mike Brown's defending the room with verticality and positioning. 
and doing your work early. He's been even better at that this season. We saw it from the start of the year. But even more so, I think just in the last few games, really since the All-Star break, I guess, he's just, like, for instance, against the Clippers, there were a few times where Kawhi Leonard tried to get around the corner on a screen, and Domas was able to position himself not only to get in front of Kawhi, but also be in the right position to defend and kind of disrupt the passing lane. And they defended it quite well. And I think forced Kawhi Leonard to get into a position where he made a pass twice that were that were bad decisions that ended up being turnovers, easy steals for the Kings. The, seeing that was huge. He also in that game guarded Russell Westbrook one-on-one. I think he guarded a few other guys that were smaller than him over the last two games. He looks a little bit better doing that. He's just fluid. He's flying around to the perimeter. You can you can see them being a little bit more comfortable with switching him, although you don't want to do that a ton. But, you know, he's just continued to get better and better and better. And it's like he didn't shut down Bam Adebayo, but he was kind of hanging, in, hanging with one of the ath- most athletic centers in the league. You know, he's he's not a shot blocker or whatever. He's not like an imposing defender, Bob Myers. But, you know, damn, like he, he is an underrated defender if there ever was one. People overlook it so much too. Like they see the the low shot blocks a game, and they just think he's not a good uh, interior defender, and that's really far from the case. So I think it is important to bring up because I mean a lot of people are just like you know centers should be averaging over a block a game, right? Defending that rim, but you can do it in other ways. And Sabonis is a, a good example of that for sure. But Sabonis, February Player of the Month, man, mark it down. I wonder if you can bet money. Uh, you probably can. Yeah, probably. Probably. He's probably at the top I wonder, of the odds. I wonder, I wonder who else is in there. Who's Anyone else having a good month in the West? Um, a lot of talk on Wimbanyana lately. Yeah. <laughs> he, didn't look too, he didn't look too great against the Kings. He looked good, but... He, looked... he, he didn't, but it's sometimes the stat line, you know? Yeah. Just like, I mean, he... I think he scored, what, like 19? He had like five blocks and like five assists or something. Yeah, but like Fox said after the game, it's like, we know he's going to get like three or four blocks in the game. It's just yeah, it's cra- isn't it funny? Like the shot, the top shot blockers are rookies. It's kind of funny. Yeah, uh, and- that, that is kind of funny. Like the new, and it's like the skinniest guys, too. Yeah. It's like, like everyone would like. Sh- Shit on Porzingis for it. I can't wait to see how many posters he has. <sighs> he's just postering everyone. Yeah, I mean, he's not having that good of a month. Not some bonus level. No. His bonus is having... Yeah, they soul. suck. Oh, my God. The Spurs are really bad. Yeah. The Spurs have won one game in February. <laughs> they won one game. Uh, I, think they're effect- I think they're effectively looking for another f- number one overall pick. That would be pretty, pretty good for them. Yeah. The NBA would probably love that, too. Like, hey, man, Popovich sticking around. We can get the Spurs back in the fold pretty quickly. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, get them back before Popovich dies at this rate. Probably die before he retires. They just have Pop. They just have him, like, embalmed on the bench. (laughs) It's like the Ronald Reagan, uh, like, head from futurama yeah 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 it's all the like historical heads very popular yeah <laughs> that'd be hella funny <laughs> hey one of the one of the best if not the best to do it 
Yeah, I, I think Phil Jackson still got that title. But there's a lot of good maybe candidates, not. but he's up there. He's definitely up there. George Carl. Yeah. <laughs> George George freaking Carl. Was it like didn't he like take every team to the playoffs every year for like a streak and then he started coaching the Kings? Yeah. <laughs> it's like dang it. Talking about George Carl, DeMarcus Cousins finally gave up his attempt to return to the NBA. He says that chapter is closed in his life. It's like, yeah, you haven't played there in two seasons, guys. Or dude. Um Yeah. Yeah, man. I don't know. Jeez. Not, not the biggest fan of Cousins. When was the last time he was really good? Like 2016, 17? Probably 17. I think he got traded in 16. 15? I don't even know anymore. But, oh well. Sorry, Cousins. Oh, well. He took a picture with Rana Dive, him and, him, him and Brad Miller at the All-Star Weekend. Vivek Rana Dive. What's up, Vive? What's that, Veeves? Anyone call him Veeves, you think? Probably. Did you see Vivek Ranadive wearing that one jacket? Like, with all the patches on it? That <laughs> yeah. Parts of Sacramento. Like, I just saw, like, yeah. does that say the pocket on it? <laughs> I know. The Kings are really trying to get, like, fashion, artistic in their team store this year. That was one of them. It's also selling for, like, 250 bucks. Which yeah, is... That's hella... It's just... That's hella lame. It's, like, hella kitschy and fake. I don't like it. That's yeah. not Sacramento. Um, I right. I agree. But like, like when people say it's a cow town, I'm like, no, it's not. And that's an exact example why. It's just <laughs> shit shit like that. Yeah. No. I don't know. Anyways. Bob Myers. What about Bob Myers? Yeah. Bob Myers, oh, dude. dude. I, I think I'm more surprised that that wasn't Doris Burke <laughs> commentating yeah, with I that. don't know why they always have these cut rake versions of Doris Burke. Like you can Doris Burke is terrific, but you don't have to get, like, women that just have, like, her style of voice. Like, yeah, that'll work. Let's plug her in. I'm like, no. Yeah. I feel like I was getting, like, it seemed like her and Bob Myers did not do their homework on the Kings at all. And it just was, it was very, it was, I'm not, like, a fan or anything like that. I watch the games as objectively as I can, and I'm not really connected to the team necessarily. But it was still making me annoyed, because it's just, like, you can, at least you could do is a little cursory little research on a few guys. Like, it didn't seem like they did that at all. No, that was, they were just, yeah. It, it was not very, it was not good. It seems like they didn't have anything to really say on the Kings. It was like, yeah, the Clippers. And like, uh, as as the Kings were, like, smacking them down, too, it felt like they just, like, they didn't really have any material to say on sack. They kept calling the Clippers this elite team, which, yeah, they are. It's just like, you just keep saying that all night. Yeah, exactly. Teams, you know? They're playing pretty decently against this elite team. <laughs> Can they beat this elite team? This is an elite team, though. Dude. Yeah. First time they beat the elite team. That was nice. Yeah, I know. They need. They needed without, to. Without Paul Jorge? That's important to note. And that's why it's important to know whether or not all of Denver starters are going to play. Because I want to see... The Kings have had some good wins against some good teams. But, you know, Paul George doesn't play. I think in all the games where they've beaten the Nuggets, I think... At least, I think the first time it may have just been Murray out, and then the other two, there were two starters out each game. I want to see them beat a team at full strength, but who Let's knows? see. Let's see if they have the injury report out yet. Um, or just like, you know, what's going on? What's going on in Denver, huh? You know, that Mile High City. What is going on? Denver, Colorado. So we got uh, Kanchar out. What's his first name? V. Kanchar. 
Conchar? Conchar? Cancer? It's spelled cancer with an A. And then Tyson. I don't even fucking know who the fuck that is. H. Tyson. <laughs> Do you know H. Tyson? Oh, Hunter Tyson. Yeah, he was he was a rookie. He was a second-round draft pick. He's a really good shooter out of Clemson. Mm. Five-year five year product out of Clemson. Five-year, huh? Out of Clemson. Yeah. Can't, I want to say Kanchar was on the... Uh, <laughs> if I'm saying it wrong, just, just call me out. I, I don't know. I want to say he's... Uh, I'll look I, it up, and I'll cut this if you're not saying it right. No, no. Let them... Vlat, Vlatko. <laughs> It's Vlatko Kancar. He's Slovenian. So C-A-N-C-A-R. And he has like a little upside down triangle over both the C's. If you know what those symbols stand for. Because I don't know what they're called. So sue me. All right. They're like ch- sounds or something, right? Chanchar? Tantar? Like the... Don't go to... go to. Doesn't basketball reference have like the like oh. phonetic spelling? Yeah, dude. The they do. You're, you're totally right. Chanchar. Chan. Chanchar. Vlatko Chanchar. I want to say he was on the Grizzlies last year. No, he's only been on Denver. So okay, okay. he's shooting thirty-seven from thirty-seven percent from three. Hmm. Down from fifty-eight percent last year. That's a big fall. It's like Keon Ellis this year. He shot fifty percent from three in the NBA. Dude, Keon he's only shooting like thirty-seven percent from three now. It's like, dude, that's a huge drop off. So. Care if that's- why sign that? Keon to a full contract, which means he can like play in the playoffs, right? And just like just keep playing Davion. I'm not saying Davion's terrible, but you know they signed this guy, so you sign him to like a full contract. I get it. It's not just it has to do with this year. It has to do with the future itself. But Davion, he's still not pushing any needles for me. Why not? Why not throw Ellis back out there? Um, I think they would have given Ellis a standard contract this offseason had they not been trying to keep their flexibility open. And I think when the trade deadline came and passed, they were just like, well, might as well just sign him to the contract. They would come to that agreement now. And they probably were planning to do that all along if there wasn't anything going on there. Because they always had that little roster spot open, filling it with 10 days with the JTA. So that is kind of the case there. But why are they playing Davion over Keon Ellis? Well, it's like Keon Ellis hasn't played terrible when he's gotten out there. I, I don't think he's done as well of a job as like kind of staying ready and going in there and making an impact like in a short amount of time to earn time. It seems like when he's earned his time, it's been like in long stretches late in the game. So maybe he just hasn't had that ability to get in the rhythm that's going to make him stand out. But another reason is Davion is playing kind of pretty well. I mean, like, I don't know if it's a long enough stretch to feel like, oh, he's the guy and he's going to be solid backup point guard through the playoffs and be the defensive guy he was in the playoffs last year against the Warriors while being slightly better offensively. I mean, I don't know if that's the case, but I mean, he's at least open the possibility for that. He's been very decisive and it's it's sparse. And this is what makes it difficult for him is like, you're just going to have these small moments and you have to seize that opportunity right away. You have to not have any hesitancy. And he's really wiped the hesitancy away pretty well. I mean, I think he took an early shot clock three, but it was wide open against the Clippers, right? Missed it. But, you know, there was like something there where it's like, in a psychological sense, I feel like everybody was happy he took that shot. Okay, yeah, he's a 30% three-point shooter. Maybe that's a bad shot, conventionally speaking. But when you're thinking about the big picture, when you're thinking about maybe just kind of giving this guy one last chance to reach that ceiling that you drafted him on, um... You know, it's a good shot. And I think in the game against Miami, he had a decisive drive. He's had several of those throughout 
he has kickout opportunities that don't always get converted because the threes missed or whatever. But he's he's doing stuff in small amounts of time while providing the defensive intensity. Um, he was a little too maybe defensively intense against Harden, who's very good at drawing fouls. But uh, outside of that, I mean, he's been pretty damn good on that end and doing what he's supposed to be doing. And he's just he's played up to par, and I think the three has fallen just enough. I think in the last few games, I don't know what the stats are in front of me. Maybe you have them up, but Davion's played pretty well. And you can't also, you have to keep factoring in, it's like not playing him. What does that do to his value? If he's really not the guy, I know that means maybe you do want to play Ellis and try to get that integrated a little bit more going forward because that's going to be the plan. But you're going to be stuck with Davion's, you know, getting a six plus million dollar contract next year because he's a lottery pick. And I think that'll be the last year of his rookie deal. But you know, if he's not playing, it's like that's that's like money you're throwing around that you could be paying for a role player or two. You know? mm. I don't know. It's it's one of those things where it's like you have to play him to be able to get rid of him. You know, mm-hmm. that's true. That's, but he has been playing. He, well. And yeah, I mean, he's not played. He's played well for Davion standards. Yes, that's 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 a fair way to put it. I think mm-hmm. it's not a huge impact, but it's like again, he's just kind of fitting in, which. And that may be another illustration of why he does need another home and why he may not be fit for that role on this team because he just doesn't maximize it. He's, he's just filling it just enough. He's just kind of, you just kind of put some uh, flex seal on it. Yeah. You know? He's not really like sealing up that job for good or wowing anybody with impressive craftsmanship. It's just the liquidized rubber. Oh, that sounds kind of weird, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, off of Davion, because I feel like Davion has, like, the potential to, if the offense comes along, be a guy in the playoffs that can do something for the Kings. I mean, we still bring up from time to time the whole decision to go with Terrence Davis in Game 7 and not really use Davion at all in the last two games of that series against the Warriors. But, you know, a guy that since the last game before the All-Star break has been playing really well is Chris Duarte. And we didn't talk about him last week, but I think we were planning on at least mentioning him potentially, because he played really, really well in in Denver ahead of the break. And in the three games since, he's been a very useful contributor. He has looked far more comfortable in the offense, which has been a very big work in progress. He's finding that balance between just keeping his hands out and using his chest while not fouling at all. I think he's been better at that. And he's just, he looks far more useful in the sense that Mike Brown kind of has another versatile player to use. You know, he's almost kind of like another Trey Lyles, not in the same position or role, but in terms of now you can go smaller with both of those guys out there. Now you can kind of switch far more ubiquitously out there on the defensive end. And you've seen it with the smaller lineup. It's been like a small lineup with roughly, I think it's like Fox, Monk, maybe Herter, Duarte, and, and Lyles. Maybe you swap Monk or Herder with Davion or something like that. But it's roughly like that small lineup with Lyles at the five and Duarte out there being this kind of versatile perimeter defender with strength that can give you the, the, the ability to guard a range of players. And I think that that is the kind of stuff that unlocks the versatility, that unlocks what you're going to be able to do in terms of adjustments in the playoffs. It gives you another card to pull out. We talk about how much that's important for Lyles and how much that adds to his value. I think we're seeing that to a degree with Duarte. And Duarte is another guy that still is going to be with the Kings, at least in terms of the way his contract works out on his rookie deal. He's going to be with the Kings next season. 
there's a chance that he he's really just developing and setting himself up to maybe do something late this year and do something going forward with the Kings. I kind of expected him to have a better post-All-Star break, much in the same way I do with Davion Mitchell. And I expect him, if he is indeed on the team next season, I expect him to be a way, way more consistent contributor than he was, at least in the first two-thirds of this season. So it'll be really interesting to see how he closes out the year and how he's utilized and how he can function in the playoffs because I think he can be a super weapon, but he hasn't necessarily shown he's done it in long stretches, so he's got to do that first. But I think it's an interesting thought. Yeah, I think it is for sure. I think a word you can use for him in the playoffs is an X-factor kind of guy. You know, he's still trying to find his feet in sack, it feels like. Um, But yeah, he has put it over uh, a good stretch of games in the last few, so... I mean, he. I think versatile is just the perfect word for him. He's also a good defender. I mean, he's he can be a, th- a good three-point shooter. I mean, man, if he can really kind of just fit into the offense and knock down some threes and just continue playing that good defense, I mean, that's just another 3 and D guy that you have in your back pocket when it comes to the playoffs. And if he's really going to start warming up as we get closer and closer, I mean, all the better for the Kings. I like Duarte. I still see a lot of potential in him. Maybe not like what he was drafted as as a lottery pick, but I still think he can be that really good three and D guy. And he showed glimpses of glimpses of it this year so far and recently. So I still have like high hopes for this kid and hopefully he just keeps playing well and plays better and better. And then X factor in the playoffs. Like we have this guy in our back pocket this whole time. That's the key. Cause it's like, I'm, I don't think we're anywhere close to returning to the conversation that he should start over Herder. Herder's played well. I mean, he, he has his ups and downs on defense. Like, he didn't have a great first half defensively against the Clippers, but had a great second half defensively against the Clippers, but then followed it up with a pretty, I mean, he and most of his teammates had a pretty bad game against Miami defensively. So he's like up and down. But one of the things I would point out about Herter is like, even if he is shooting well, even if he is kind of giving you enough on defense, it's not all the time that you're going to want to close the game out with him. And I feel like in that Miami game, it wasn't the reason... They, they lost. I feel like there was that turnover that really just kind of changed everything. But still, there were two moments where Herter was involved in like defensive breakdowns in the last two minutes. And it was just kind of making me think. And I think he also missed one, two, maybe three uh, deep balls late in the game. So it wasn't like he necessarily made the biggest impact offensively. So it's like if you talk about that potential, you know, happening, and then you talk about Duarte being that kind of defender that can shoot. It, it, all the options, I mean, it's just there. It's not necessarily that he's going to start over Herder or that he's going to close lineups over Herder, but it's just like on those nights where Herder's not necessarily giving you everything, Duarte's a perfect backup to him because it's like Monk is almost more of a backup to Fox or a second fiddle to Fox. Duarte's more fitting to kind of lend something in terms of the depth behind Herder because Herder clearly can't do it all on his own. He can't do it all the time. He's been a lot better and he deserves a lot of credit, but I mean, Duarte is just expanding not only the versatility of the team, but it kind of just expands the, the leash that I think Herder gets. You know, I think that helps him out a mm-hmm. lot. That's true. That's a good point. We'll see. We'll see what we can continue to do for this team. And I, I mean, it's a perfect example of what we've been talking about all year. It's uh, all year. Like half this podcast is the experience and what they're learning from this year and how they're going to be a better team this or next year. And I think Duarte is a good example of, you know, learning from this year and just getting better and building, being an integral piece of a championship team. So he definitely can be. And I think we will see it a little in the playoffs too, for all those reasons, man. 
I mean, it's been it's been a long time coming for Duarte, but it's like again, he got traded. I don't think he was expecting to get traded necessarily. He, you know, he doesn't. His English is not perfect, but it, it's been a, it's been a process. But he's stuck with it, and he's he's been adamant about being that defender first for the team and realizing that that's going to get him out on the floor and be the biggest impact on the team in terms of his skill set. And it's just like, I feel like it was really just a matter of time for Duarte. You know, he's been a little frustrating at times, a little inconsistent. Like just when he's almost another embodiment of that, just when you think, you know, he's coming around, he, he just drops off, you know, fouls come back or the offense looks a little lost, but it's slowly starting to come together for him. And I think, yeah, that's huge because we were talking about him being kind of one of the major pickups this offseason in an, in an offseason where they didn't really pick up anybody. And it really didn't pan out in anything exciting necessarily in terms of hard results in the first two-thirds of the season. But it would be really interesting to see what happens. But good for Chris. Good for CD3, dude. So Chris Duarte. Darte? Should I call him? Should I start calling him Darte again? Get Chris That guy, I mean, that... That clip got like thousands of views, so. Dude, because I was saying his name right. Yeah. Darte. What's up, Darte? Just shooting darts out here, man. Shooting <laughs> darts. Du- Duarte's Inferno. <laughs> it sounds like something Kyle Draper would say. <gasps> Duarte's Inferno? <laughs> yeah, anything with what we just said. <laughs> like, he said another funny thing, like, you know how we always make fun of I don't think we make fun of it on the podcast, but it's like. There was that time where he was like, oh, I heard her put the rookie on the school bus. Took the rookie to school. Put them up from school. Like that whole crap. Yeah. He said something, I think, in the, against the Spurs. It must have been against the Spurs because it was Mark Jones the other night and then it was a national TV game the night mm-hmm. before. And he was a Spurs game where he's like, oh, fuck. I don't even remember. <laughs> where am I going with this? I want to know. some stupid thing where uh-huh. it was like some poster thing. It was about like a poster. I don't know. I'm gonna cut this, but <laughs> <laughs> she just leave it. Um, yeah, drapes, dude. What are you gonna do? Love him or hate him, that's who we got, you know. So I just, I, say I still just love him. It's a, yeah, I mean, I think he's great, and I still think it'd be a great idea, even though it's tough in terms of the the legality of using people's likeness. But uh, I would love to have a T-shirt that says that has Kyle Draper like with his big smile, and it just says. Mark who or who the fuck is Mark Jones, you know? Dude. Because <laughs> this guy's the king. I mean, he's taking over. Like, Mark Jones called that game the other night, and I'm just like, forgot about you, man. I know. I, I was surprised to see Mark Jones, too. I honestly didn't turn it on to like, the second half um, of that Heat game. I'm like, yeah, Jones is calling, huh? Jonesy? Oh, Mark. So Jonesy, Indiana Jones? Oh, Mark, Jones? He, showed up, he showed up to school today, Mark. <laughs> Took the rookie to school. He took the rookie to school, put him on the school bus, made sure he dropped him off at school. Yeah, weird. Like, where are you? Just keep going. Just we like need keep, to, riff, keep, keep riffing, Kyle. And someone needs to just watch every game he's ever called and just, like, come up with, like, traperisms. Like, he's heating up like a fine wine. I, I remember just listening to that. I'm like, what? <laughs> where are you going? Where are you going with this? You just got two, like, you just got two of them mixed up. But, you know, you love him for it, you know? It's like, ah, you know, you I try, love it because trying your best. You know, I love it. He's like a jam band. You know, he's just like kind of riffing. I feel like a lot of the stuff, some of the stuff he comes, it clearly had tried to come up with editing. But I feel like Mark Jones is the epitome of like scripted, and he'll like use the same things over. Yeah, and over. All right. he's very scripted. But like Kyle Draper is just so 
he's like he's got the creativity of a child you know yeah like, i love it it just restores hope and he's so innocent i think that's a perfect word just like he's just innocent a child he's just no so yeah you know it's hard to hate him he's just, he's just it's kyle's great for a dude like you just give him just give him a pass he's all right you know yeah. he doesn't know what he's doing he doesn't know any you better know, you know i think i hope kyle hears this because something tells me that kyle's seen some of the other stuff we've or listened to some of the other stuff we've said about him which is seems kind of mocking maybe we're making fun of him but it's all out of love and i just want to make sure that because on our facebook page we got someone complained about the owners of cap city crown harassing them and i was figuring that that's probably a burner account for kyle draper and so kyle if that is you just know that we love you and go ahead delete that (laughs) because it's not good for business and that would be great you know because it's either it's either Kyle Draper or Kevin Herter. Yeah. One of the two. Yeah. Who knows though? Herter, you'll get an apology next podcast. Drapes, this one's about you. This is always about Drapes. Dude, Drapes is He's the man. He's the man. I can't can't say it better. You know myself. what I you know what I can say? Yeah. You know what I can say about Kyle Draper? Because hmm. I bet he's a really good dad. So you have kids? Yeah. But he's a good old yeah, he's got like two. He talks about him all the fucking time. Oh, you're right. He does. Yeah. Imagine like Kyle Draper picking you up from school. Like, what a jolt of energy! What a refreshing thing to see after sitting in a hot classroom all day. Dude, what's up, Dad? What are we doing? It's like, you want an icy? Dude, no. He. I remember it's he. Like, oh, my kid just put the icy in the cup. Whoa, he just took that icy to school. <laughs> oh my god. Draper, dude. Oh, I'm getting out my wallet. I'm gonna pay for this. I'm going to use the credit card, get 1% cash back. Like, honestly, I'm surprised Golden One doesn't just give him a commercial where he's doing that. He should. You know, there's going to be a day where, like, Mo Reagan is on the um, the Northwest commercials now, or was. I don't know if she still is. I don't really watch commercials um, as much as I used to. But yeah, one day, Draper's just going to pop up in an ad. I, has he not? No, he is. Is he not on, like, Mercedes-Benz commercial? I think he is. Is he? I think he is. I can see him in it. I can see him. I can honestly just see Kyle Draper being the owner of a dealership. <laughs> yeah. He'd be really good at it. I, I bet he'd be really good at it. He's super personable. Yeah. I think he is a Mercedes-Benz commercial guy, though. I'm, I Unless I dreamt that. Or maybe it's someone else. But I think he is. It doesn't sound crazy. I can believe it. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I think I think Golden One should definitely look into doing a commercial with him where he's just... Because he does, he's done that a couple times now. Where he's like, "Oh, he did that sit down." He's just like kind of like describing stuff, yeah. but he's describing it in that way. It's just like his over the top commentary voice, which is actually so adorable. <laughs> you know what you think about? Dude. But Kyle Draper fan club over here. Yeah. And you know what? Speaking of commercials and another fan club, I think I'm a fan of that uh, Sack Airport girl. You like her now? They have these new commercials. I'm like, wait, the Sack Airport chick is hot. What that same chick? I was amazed. They they, they yeah, she's a like different. She got like a like a makeover. Mm. Like the one in the support group one. Yeah, I have to, I'll have to pay more. It's attention. the new one, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is. Like because the old like, ones are like the the Shakespeare, yeah. the bar guy, the bar guy. It's like yeah, that's just such terrible dad. marketing. But we don't need to go into that one. Your dad audition for that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that is true. The new ones are actually kind of funny. I'll give them that. It is a little better. It's like I don't know, it's a little clever. 
It's so I funny. I wasn't listening that, at all. But. Dude, it, it's something about like, ah, oh man, just listen to it next time. I'm like, okay, this is, it's better than the old ones. Maybe the other ones were like so bad that's like you can appreciate these a little more. It's just oh, like wait. in comparison. No, I remember like the support group. They're like, we were going to go to San Diego and someone suggested driving. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's that's literally eight hours of staring straight ahead. I'm like, have you ever been on a plane before? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's only one hour instead. <laughs> I got with, you. I with two hours at the dog. Sacramento airport, dude, where they got food. That's only 30 yeah. bucks for a hamburger at, at the oh same God. establishment that it's probably across the street from your house right now. Maybe the commercial writing doesn't do it for me, but uh, the makeup and hairstylist did, did, did wonders. And I, you have my attention. I may be flying to San Diego. Boom. Sacramento airport. This is just actually a Sacramento airport where we're just sponsored by them. And we're just pushing their name now no we're just actually we're sponsored by sacramento executive airport <laughs> come on down and stay at the what is that they have like a bar and like a little like restaurant there at the executive airport yeah it's right next to is that the one next to being maloney the golf course yeah yeah I, I, they do it's called something <laughs> i forget i don't know i think like there's been a, it's a historical place it's been there for a long time yeah. So if you know that, you can comment the name of that place, and uh, Tony will give you a free birthday call. There you go. I'll call you. Just <laughs> type it out in the comments. <laughs> Put your phone number in the YouTube comments or the comments on Substack. <laughs> yeah. Out. Only we'll be able to see it. I swear to God. I, oh, I swear to God. Only we'll be able to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just us. Nobody, nobody else. It won't be public. Like nobody else will see your phone number, and nobody else will call you, pretending that you owe them fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> but all right, I think that wraps us up <laughs> for the podcast. Um, like I said, the Kings play Denver tonight in Denver, and then they go somewhere and play Friday night. I think Minnesota. It is Minneapolis at five p.m. Then they're off till Monday. They got the weekend off. Kind of like they did last week. They had Friday and Saturday off last week. Now they have uh, Saturday, Sunday off. So enjoy your weekend. No Kings basketball. And then they play Monday against the team. I don't know. (laughs) But I know they play Monday. So, John, (laughs) anything to wrap this up? Yeah. Fucking pay attention to the commercials, man. We're always talking about the commercials. Yeah. You know, half the game feels like sometimes. So, well, I want to thank you all for tuning in. And as always, until next time, have a good one.